Welcome back, everybody, to the Abundant Journey podcast. Thank you for hanging out with us today. I'm your host, Nick James, as always. We've got a special show lined up with a great friend of mine, Kylan Johnson. And we go back to the Bowflex days that I have told you all many times about, where we I was doing Bowflex sales. And it really hit me early on that Kylan was a guy who looks at the world differently. He's one of those people who said, hey, I'm going to live life on my own terms and I am going to be an entrepreneur. So this has been a podcast episode that I have been excited to get lined up for quite a long time. And man, we're going to dive right in because we got numerous topics to cover today. So Kylan, what is up, sir? How are you, man? Hey, awesome, man. I'm, I'm so excited to uh, yeah have this conversation. Um, I, I think, yeah, this is super cool what you guys are working on. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think, I think there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of conversation to explore. And like you said, I think, you know, our history of going back is, is something worth exploring. And, you know, there's, there's nothing that beats the good old Bowflex day. So um, <laughs> even, even it. you saying that is just like, man, there's so much, there's so much from that time that was, was oh, so yeah. precious to me and was, was monumental. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back even further than your Bowflex days because that's when our relationship and friendship started. But I don't know much about the entrepreneur, Kylan, before that. But before we get into that, you guys are traveling on the road. Tell our guests like who you are, what you're doing right now, and where you are. Because usually when we talk on the phone, I never know where you are in the country. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um yeah, that's a good, good, good place to start because uh, a lot of times I don't know where I'm at. So uh, <laughs> right now, as we talk, we are in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so uh, my wife and I, we run a YouTube channel for kids. Uh, we do episodes for kids where we go on field trips and kind of document. Uh, in a way, it's a mini documentary about learning different experiences, meeting different people, kind of showing kids and toddlers specifically our age range is typically zero to to six years old. Um, and our goal is to just kind of showcase fun experiences for kids um, that maybe they wouldn't get to kind of uh, enjoy otherwise. So um, we're actually on a nationwide tour. This is something that's new for us. Um, we're going all around the country uh, hosting actually story time events and bike clinics. We do BMX bike clinics and we're traveling around with our family. We have four kids um, and we are in an RV and a big old trailer with all of our stuff. <laughs> and we're going week to week, uh, different different city each each week of the year, actually. So 2024 is going to be pretty crazy. Wow. So um, right now we're it's the beginning of the year and we're in Phoenix, Arizona, um, getting things started in the sun. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely fun. A um, little bit chaotic, but that's the way we like it. So I love it. And, and you know, this whole RV life is not new to you guys, even specific to, you know, your tour right now as you're ramping up. I mean, this is something y'all have embraced. How, how long have you been doing that? Yeah. So, um, it's a little bit complicated. I think this is probably the story of my life as a whole. Um, it's been on and off. Um, so we, um, left the Portland area back in 2019, um, kind of just on a wild hair. We're like, Hey, let's try this thing like full time. Um, so this is before the pandemic. Um, we sold everything. Um, didn't even have anything in storage. So we just like absolutely sold everything and put that towards traveling. Um, I had just left a partnership there in Portland and it was something that was just kind of the right timing. There was not a lot, um, we didn't have a lot of responsibility at the time, not a lot of money either, but, uh, it definitely was something that we were like, Hey, let's just try this thing. Um, our kids are young. 
you know, there's a lot of, I think, you know, in our conversation today, you'll see there's a lot of, uh, you know, red flags that we ignored to go ahead and make that happen. And it was something that we, we definitely don't regret at all. So that was in 2019. We traveled for a year. We got really sick. Um, some would say it was the COVID before COVID existed um, <laughs> that got off the road. And then, um, and then COVID hit um, when we, we actually had gotten back on the road. We were in Texas, COVID hit, and then we, um, uh, there were RV parks weren't accepting new reservations. We couldn't go to, to um, public land. So we had to make a decision of like finding somewhere to land. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a home base anymore. Um, we had definitely said goodbye to the Portland area, Vancouver. Um, and so we uh, hightailed it back to Port Angeles, Washington. Um, up in the, the Olympic Peninsula, kind of just to hide out. We wanted to be close to nature, be able to get outside and, um, you know, have a little bit more control over what we do with our kids during the, you know, unforeseeable future uh, during yeah. that. So um, so we ended up getting a long or a long term rental there. We um, hung out there for for three years, traveled a bunch while we were there, but had a home base. And then um, in planning and preparation for this tour, we uh, sold everything again, put it all in storage, did kind of the same thing and, um, uh, maybe a little bit more planning this time. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we hit the road in October, um, October 1st. So we've been on the road, um, for three months now and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. So uh, again, it's just, you know, every day has its, its challenge, but it's definitely something that we really enjoy kind of, um, scaling down our life and living in an RV. You really have to, be intentional with what you bring into both like your physical presence, but also, you know, emotionally and mentally, you know, you have to really look at everything that comes into onto the table and make sure that that's something that you're, you know, only giving space to, to things that, um, you know, need to be there. So. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. We, uh, my wife and I did a similar kind of thing where we uh, sold everything that we owned in Minneapolis as we were moving back here and we lived in a, uh, a fifth wheel um, for about nine months. And I hear you awesome. like it, it, it really forces you to be intentional about, yeah, not just the material possessions, but that, uh, that 400 square feet only has so much space for uh, <laughs> attitudes right. and emotions and, and all yep. of that, which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, how big is your team that's working on the, the story times and everything that you're doing with your YouTube channel, Brecky Breck? Yeah. So, um, it's kind of a unique story. Um, uh, and I can go back maybe a little bit to, to kind of preface um, sure. this part of kind of what we're working on. Um, right now we have a, a contract editor that does some work sometimes outside of that. It's my wife and I, and then our hmm. kids are actually like, uh, boots on the ground for our events. Um, so we're running everything. A big part of that is um, maybe less. Uh, we, we definitely are working towards building a team. Um, the nature of YouTube kids is a little bit challenging because it's not as, um, you know, it's not as financially profitable or uh, beneficial as a non kids channel um, for probably good reasons. And, and um, that's just the ad rates. They can't collect data on minors. And, um, and, and so we, we 
definitely believe in that and, and appreciate it, but it definitely makes it challenging to navigate um, growing a team and the expense side of things. So um, basically, we were joking around, my wife and I, the other day, um, we were kind of like arguing over titles, like talent management, creative director, admin, like different <laughs> things. Like, no, you're the, you know, and like sometimes like I'm the talent talent management and my wife's the talent, you know, so I'm having to manage her or whatever. So, um, so yeah, so I, I edit last night. Actually, I was up till four in the morning editing a video that posted this morning. So, um, and that's just the nature of kind of YouTube. Um, there's definitely a piece of that where it's like, you know, there's, there's kind of a, um, an, an allure to that, that, uh, that grind a little bit that, that is kind of fun, but I'm definitely at a, at a point where, um, we're ready to start kind of growing our team. And that's something that we're, we're looking for admin support and bring on more, um, kind of intentional editing and kind of post-production team as well. So very cool. I love that. And you know, a lot of times people just get this mindset. They, uh, they see little clips on Instagram or YouTube and they, they think, Hey, this is easy to do, but you're speaking to the reality. And I'm, I'm sure we'll dive more into that as we get going in the conversation of just the grind and the willingness to do what you do. And, but if it's, if it's the passion and the heart behind it, then that is worth it all the while. So let's go back here again. I, uh, I told our audience, we're going to go back to early days because you are one of those entrepreneurial people and that's you, you bleed it, you live it. uh, Hence four in the morning editing videos, but let's go back before then. I'm, I'm curious, you know, if that was something that was always in your DNA or if there was some mentors or influencers that made you say, Hey, this is the path that I'm going to take. So take us back as far as you want to go, but pre Bowflex days. Yeah, right on. Yeah, no, I love, um, I love telling my story. And I think, um, that's less of trying to get people to hear my story and more of, you know, there, I think there's a, there's a beautiful part of even personally having to go back and like, Hey, what, what did, uh, influence me to be where I'm at today? So there's an awareness piece that I, I think is, um, I appreciate. So thank you for, for asking that. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I, I definitely start, um, I can, I can pin back to you in my childhood. Um, my dad was a big influence, um, to kind of what, how I view, um, the world and work and creativity. Um, you know, he, he always exampled that Uh, my dad ran a Christian summer camp in the, um, Columbia Gorge in the Portland area. Um, he was the executive director and then ran, um, kind of all the national camps for the, for the organization as well. Uh, and with that, he wore a bunch of hats and he, he kind of exampled that to me growing up. I was able to kind of see and, and be a part of, um, kind of all these different pieces. Uh, he took me to meetings. I remember being in meetings for, uh, him meeting with the website designer. Um, and this is like back in, I think, you know, the late nineties. So website design was like, you know, like this foreign concept. Um, and my dad was definitely like always kind of, um, you know, ahead of the curve with that stuff. He's a lot more, um, maybe more admin and, um, you know, management focus, but definitely has that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and so that's something that I grew up just watching. Um, and then actually when I was 14 years old, um, this is, you know, kind of a big, uh, monumental point of, of, of my life and shift in kind of this thinking, um, it, my dad actually convinced me to take all of my birthday money and buy a camera. So I bought a digital camera. It was a Sony cyber shot. Um, I wish I still had, it. I, we had it up until a couple of years ago when we actually moved, uh, hit the road full time. We just like got rid of everything. And that's the one thing I was like, man, I wish I would have kept that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he convinced me to buy a camera and he said, Hey, let's start a photography business and I'll help you get some clients. 
mm. um, which was which was kind of cool because up until that point, um, I think w- my perspective, my dad, um, he his creativity was just um, kind of a part of his job. So there definitely wasn't the entrepreneur piece. I didn't I didn't understand that or see that. Um, but this was kind of the real first um, introduction to like what an entrepreneur is or like starting your own business. Cause my dad actually didn't run his own business. He was, you know, he worked for this organization um, and he was a pastor before that. So I think this in a way was him even maybe experimenting too. In hindsight, I think he was like, I'm kind of curious about this too. So, um, so we bought the camera. Um, we, we started building a website and then um, I was 14 at the time. Um, and it's like, I think coming out of middle school, this was a weird season for me. So, um, I think I didn't bite on the photography piece, but there's something about the logo design and the website design process that was like, it was like a light bulb that went off. Um, so he taught me Photoshop and Adobe, um, during that time. And he had the, he had the program and back then you had to like order it all and download it with like, (laughs) I think it was still a CD or something, which is weird now, but, um, so anyway, so so I, my dad introduced me to that whole process. So I think that was the introduction to like digital uh, entrepreneurship and, and kind of freedom over creativity. Um, so that was a big kind of um, movement for me into high school. Um, and I, I'd always kind of been a little bit different. Um, I think I struggled socially. I was always outgoing and then especially being a part of, you know, we, we basically lived all summer at this summer camp that my dad ran. And so we helped facilitate the events. So I kind of naturally was able to kind of communicate well and work with adults, work with all different types of ages because I was running events for them. Um, but I always struggled peer to peer. That was something that was always difficult for me. Um, and to this day, honestly, like I, I'm not <laughs> someone that, you know, I in, in a party setting or group setting, I can, you know, turn it on and be full of life. But I'm really, you know, I'm realizing more and more as I get older, I'm definitely a one-to-one uh, type of personality that enjoys, you know, intentional relationships. So, um, yep. you know, if there's not intention to the relationship, that's something that um, has always been challenging. So I say all that because going into high school, um, you know, I didn't necessarily fit into um, clicks. I had my groups. I played all the sports. I played football, basketball, baseball. I ran track. Um, so I had my my friends, technically speaking, but I just never was interested in like parties or like doing things outside of school for some reason. Um, and what that led me to really was um, kind of exploring kind of self development, which I feel like is 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 something that you know I recognize is not not typical for people going into early high school and looking at self-development <laughs> how can I get better and one thing is like I always like for some reason I was always like I can't wait to be older uh get married and have kids like that was just always something that was like I, I just can't wait for that like there's something about that that just sounds joyful to me I remember always thinking that um I would go with my mom to um, her Bible study and I would babysit like all the kids. So all the kids would come in and I just have like, there's just like this joyfulness that I just experienced around them. So, um, there's this definitely piece of me that like, I felt like, you know, I kind of had this, um, this purpose and I, I was kind of expecting what that could be. Um, mm-hmm. and so anyway, through high school, um, I ended up taking a computer class pretty early on. I think it was either freshman or sophomore year. And because I was not into the social side, I really latched onto this um, computer professor and we had MacBooks that were part of the program. Um, I was already into kind of design and website stuff. So I, I kind of maybe was ahead of the, of the class if, if, um, if that makes sense. And so the, the, the computer teacher actually let me keep a MacBook 
all hmm. like summer long. So it was kind of not, I don't even think he like wrote it down or anything. It was like, yeah, you take one, <laughs> like you're good. So, um, and this was like before a time that I think a lot of people just had laptops. So it was like the school program had it, but not a lot of people just had laptops around. So this was maybe like 2005, 2006. Um, and so, um, uh, so yeah, so I had a laptop and so now it's like, now I'm, I'm like practicing, uh, video editing. I'm doing skits. I'm, I'm, uh, messing around on Adobe. I'm, I'm doing website design. This was like back on like GoDaddy's first version of their website editor. Nice. I'm messing around with website code. I'm like kind of self-learning. And so what this did was it gave me a tool. Um, and, and this, this professor, um, kind of enabled me to like go explore and gave me the freedom mm. to go explore. And I think that was a definitely a key point in my life that was like, you have you uh, I give you permission to explore in a way. So um, our program got new laptops like every year and he would give me a new laptop every year. So like wow. all throughout high school, I had a laptop that I just got to, to use as my own. And again, like this was something like none, no one had laptops at this point um, unless like you were going to college. But this was before college for me. So um, I think that was just that, that maybe just kind of, um, you know, put a flame to kind of what I had already been kind of interested in. So yeah. um, I took uh, video production classes. I took website design classes, um, the, you know, very entry level. It was, was nothing crazy, but it was just, again, it was that permission to explore these things. Um, and then I've, I've seen, there's definitely been some like reels and memes that I've seen about this before, but I made for, for every class outside of that, that um, computer kind of program, excuse me. Um, I would always make a video for my final projects and I, uh, the memes and the reels I always see is like when you make a, uh, a video for a final project and the teacher's just so blown away by the video that the, <laughs> the quality of, of what you actually learned, they're not judging that. They're just like, wow, technology. Woo. So um, I definitely like cashed in on that. Like, all right, you know, this is going to be, I'm going to turn on the projector and everyone else is just reading their paper. That's boring. So, you know, my, my, uh, the delivery for what I was actually um, doing a project on was uh, probably less than. So I, I'm, I'm definitely not like an overachiever by any means. I'm like, I'm going to deliver exactly what's needed to get by. So I, I can do, I can test well. So I'll show up and test well and then I'll do what, you know, I'll figure out what this teacher is you know, what kind of language I need to speak to them and I'll deliver just enough to give to them. And then I'm going to go back to, you know, exploring and doing my thing. So, um, so that was high school for me. Um, uh, a lot of video projects that I wish I could find. There's like many times I'm like <laughs> running into like, Oh, where was that thing? What was that one project? Or I'll, I'll bump into someone that was in one of those classes with me. Like, Oh, no way. I totally forgot that we made this like silly video, of, you know, or whatever. So there's a lot of skit stuff that, um, to be honest with you, I wish I also would have just thrown up on YouTube because, you know, this that was a pretty early days for YouTube and I was already doing all that work. So um, it sure. definitely took a long time to get to the YouTube side of things and actually start uploading. But um, so, yeah, so that's definitely the early part of it. Um, right after high school, actually in high school, I met my wife um, and we uh, started dating. Um, my dad actually hired her mom to come run that same summer camp. So we wow. met at that camp. Um you know, I, I had never dated before. I wasn't really even interested. Um, I never kind of messed around with, with girls. That was a big flirt, but, um, that was kind of the extent of it. Um, girls actually got kind of annoyed and started asking me out. Um, so it was like, what's this guy doing? Come on. Like, then I was like, nah, I'm good. I was like, I just want to work. I want to put that's, I was, I was a little bit of a recluse like that. So, um, but anyway, I met my now wife and, um, her, um, 
it, we describe it now like it was an interesting um, kind of season because you know we're high schoolers and like it'd probably be really cringy if we could go back from a third person and like watch what actually happened. But from our perspective, <laughs> it was uh, you know it definitely was. It felt like um, you know I was kind of not like looking down at all of the what normal people do or what number of high schools were uh, high schoolers were looking at. I was kind of like looking to like. I want to be intentional in life. I want to build something. I want to do something. I don't know what that is, but I I felt like I was looking up and um, we always describe it as like, I felt like my wife, my now wife was doing the same and we caught eyes and it was like, we were both kind of looking up to something bigger, something more intentional. Um, Not that we knew what that was, but we kind of like recognized like, Oh, you're kind of doing that too. And there was something special about that, that went, Hmm. that took me from, I'm not interested in dating. I don't care about, you know, like building a relationship with women or, or girls right now to like that person I need to spend some time with. So like almost like immediately. <laughs> um, and again, this is the part where it's like I can maybe like fantasize what what they actually look like. But, you know, in, in reality, we were just like teenagers that in high school, like you want to you know go out <laughs> with me or whatever. So anyway, we, we've been married for whatever, 13 years now. And um, we, we got married um she went to college gosh there's so much in the story so i don't want to like drag it on but but we um uh she went to college she got a scholarship to oral roberts university um and uh so she was like hey i'm gonna do this she's definitely like driven she's always kind of been a self-motivator um if she puts you know puts her mind to something she's like you you better get out of my way or you're gonna get hurt kind of thing so um which which has definitely been like we're a little we're, we're definitely like we're both motivated people, but we just find that motivation differently. So, um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I had applied to colleges, but like I said before, I kind of didn't give my best effort in high school. So it was a little bit challenging getting into some of the colleges that I was interested in. Um, I was interested in architecture, um, initially. So I was applying to architecture, um, programs. And then, um, I actually applied to the New York film Academy and the LA film school and got into, uh, got accepted to both of those. Ended up not doing any of that, and then I uh, I followed uh, Breck, my wife, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and so I basically was just um, uh, kind of following what she was she was moving towards. Um, we weren't married um, yet at the time, um, and I didn't have a job. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Both of our families were a little bit like you guys need to figure yourselves out like your Russian <laughs> stuff, you know, typical young, um, uh, you know, relationship. Um, and, uh, so I ended up moving to Tulsa. Well, actually, sorry, let me, let me clarify. I had a one way ticket to Tulsa, um, <laughs> and had no idea what I was going to do, um, against pretty much everybody's will, um, and, and flew out to Tulsa um to to be where my wife has was going to school sorry go ahead were y'all married were y'all married yet or no so we had we we weren't married yet um okay. but i gave her a promise ring so it's like we're we're it's in the works right and so okay. again we're like i don't know we're like whatever 18 years old so like that's the part of it where it's like i can i can like glamorize the story but in reality you know i know my kids are going to get to that age and from my perspective it's going to be you're just kids what are you doing but like it's like i just gotta trust that like whatever so um so yeah, so we weren't married. Um, I flew out there. Uh, I think I reached out to like a, a pastor or something about um, 
like helping get like housing or, or connections to something. Um, so I, I move out or I, I fly out there with, with no plans. Like I didn't know when I was going to fly back. I was just kind of like, I'm going to see what happens. Um, and then my, my girlfriend at the time with a promise ring, whatever that means, um, was, um, was like, sure, come on, like figure it out. I'm going to school though. So like, you're not, you have to come to me. That's <laughs> basically what it was. <laughs> um, so I flew out there, uh, and then stayed at this pastor's house for two weeks, got a job at Cole's department store, um, making $7 and 10 cents an hour. Um, plus, plus so Cole's cash, right? Plus Cole's cash. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get those good deals. That's exactly right. Um, and then, uh, and then basically worked for two weeks, uh, got an extended stay hotel for another week or two. Um, and then in be- actually in between that time, I, there was a couple times where I didn't have enough money for the hotel. So I slept in, um, my wife's car. We weren't married at the time. So, um, she had dorms, but it was, a, it's a Christian college. And so there's like, you know, there's, they're definitely separate dorms. I was never even allowed in their dormitory or anything. So I would take her car to like a home Depot or there was like a subway down the street and I would line it with, um, cardboard and I'd sleep out of the car. And so I would just like, and that was, you know, I maybe did that for a week total, um, got extended stay hotel and then finally had my first paycheck from Kohl's that I went directly over to, um, the closest apartment and got an apartment, um, right down the street from the college. Wow. Um, so, and I think back then <laughs> this wasn't that long ago. It was whatever, 2011, I think 2010, 2011, it would have been 2010. Um, I, I think my, my apartment rent was, I don't know, like 350 bucks a month. So it was, it was, you know, I wasn't making much, but it also didn't cost much to live in that area um, in Tulsa at the time. So, um, so I think that was just another, I didn't know. I just kind of wandered into this like very stressful situation, but because I didn't have this expectation of comfort or this expectation of this is how it's supposed to go. Um, I think that ended up showing me that it's okay to sleep out of a car, right? There's no one that told me that my parents were definitely Honestly, to this day, I don't even know if they know that that's what happened. Um, <laughs> and and so I think for me, it was more of just the the um, the willingness to explore and, and just see what happens definitely led to that experience um, turning out okay. It definitely wasn't in the moment. I got severe bronchitis when I first moved. Um, you know, I was stressed out. I, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, every part of that, again, I can glamorize the story, but every part of it was very much like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even know. Our parents don't even technically want us to get married. Like I'm over here, like I'm committing my life to you. I'm going to do this thing. Um, and so I didn't ask her to marry me yet because I was honoring some of our, our, our family members. There was, you know, we were working on that and, um, there was, there was some hesitancy with, um, with kind of, uh, let's say blessing, uh, our relationship moving forward. So, um, so that was, that was challenging. We were navigating that. Um, so we ended up having some breakthrough, um, and I asked her to to marry me, you know, we both knew it was coming, so it wasn't anything crazy or, or surprising. We just, from the beginning, we've been pretty open just about everything. So whatever I'm going through emotionally or, you know, stressed out during that time, we've been pretty just, we've had each other to kind of like, grow through all of that. Um, and like I said, I'm kind of recluse outside of that. So we kind of just used each other to kind of process through that, um, that kind of, uh, stuff during that season. So, um, yeah, so 
got married and the rest is history. Right. So, <laughs> no, no. so, so that was kind of like up until, uh, marriage and yeah, during that time we got married, I needed to be responsible. So I got a job, um, started working normal hours. So that's kind of when I started the normal, like, I'm going to be a man and responsible and do the thing I'm supposed to do. Don't know what that is, but, um, yeah. So I, I got a job at the city of Tulsa. I was working for the stormwater department and we were, um, uh, yeah, I was clocking hours there and working my way up the ranks. Um, yeah, so I can, I can keep going. Like, like I said, I can talk forever <laughs> on my story. So, um, yeah, but the, I, the, I think I, I was just going to say, you know, in, in thinking back, you hadn't taken big steps at that point to be an entrepreneur, but one of the things you just said, which I, I haven't heard from a lot of our guests is be willing to embrace being uncomfortable and I think as humans and especially as Americans, we are very much geared towards build as much comfort around our lives as possible. And that uncomfortableness that you guys experienced, that's continued. I mean, today, you know, you're in an Airbnb, you guys have multiple kids, you're traveling around the country in, a, in an RV, that willingness to... Uh, embrace the uncomfortable situations, I think is essential for being an entrepreneur, you know, because sometimes you don't know where the next paycheck or the next job is, or if you're going to make it, or if your business is going to make it. And so, you know, those experiences, you know, it's, it's one thing to be told that, but it's another thing to live that. And even, you know, high school or right after high school days, you guys were experiencing some of that. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And that's, and that's something that, you know, I, I have such a hard time because th that wasn't exampled to me. That was something that, you know, all these other components of my life, I can look back and say, hey, that's where I got that. That's where I drew, drew that. Um, this concept of like being uncomfortable was something that, you know, and this is where I, I, I really go to, you know, I, I believe this is something that, you know, God gave me in a way was like the willingness to be uncomfortable. Um, yep. and, and that's something that, um, you know, I, I don't know how to teach that to other people. And over the years, that's something that I've been really, um, you know, I I've done a lot of consulting. I've done a lot of, um, you know, kind of, uh, mentoring in a way. Uh, and that's the thing it always comes back to is like, um, cause even, even what you said, um, uh, I think there's, there's one more piece to kind of, um, the entrepreneur journey. And one piece of that is, um, even wondering or, or, or figuring out even if what you're supposed to, or is this what you're supposed to be doing? Um, I think a lot of yeah. the times we, uh, in the entrepreneur world, especially, especially in the hustle culture, it's like, uh, success or not success, but a big component of that is like, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be doing? And I think a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to explore that question because it's uncomfortable. Um, and so that's a big piece for me is, being okay with asking that question, even in seasons of um, productivity and seasons of um, prosperity, like, is this okay? And, and even more in those seasons now, the older I get, the more I realize those are the times to ask those questions because it's really easy to ignore those questions when things are going really good. Um, and that's something that, you know, I definitely have had my share of experiences that have had, that have maybe forced me to think that way. Um, and now I, I kind of put that in my tool bag and try to learn how to, um, maybe recognize when it's important to start asking those questions. Um, sometimes that can be a hindrance, um, uh, to maybe what we're working on. And that's something that, you know, business partners and, uh, 
life partners, my wife and I have that tug and pull. We're all maybe go, hey, things are going really good. Um, maybe we should pause and figure out why they're going good. And sometimes it's like that can be frustrating to other people, you know, on the outside that aren't. Um, it, it maybe don't feel like even that same timing. Maybe they agree with that concept, but it's like, hey, why would you interrupt this right now? Um, so our joke with uh, like our our YouTube channel, Brecky Breck, is what it's called. Um, I joke all the time that my wife has to like hire security to help protect it at night. Otherwise I'll come in at night and break it all down. Like we gotta gotta, uh, figure out why are we doing this? What's the point? Like what are, you know, so I definitely, you know, I, 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 I process all of that kind of stuff all the time. Um, and, and I don't know what the right balance of that is. I, I would probably say I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more on the extreme, but that's something that I found as a tool that I really appreciate. And so maybe I use it more than I should, but, um, I'd rather do that than not use it at all. So, yeah. Well, sticking yeah. sort of with that, that question, let's uh, fast forward a bit because, you know, you had the, the water management job uh, at yep. some point in there. Uh, I take it there's a move back to the Vancouver area and getting tore up yep. from the floor up at Bowflex yep. with Nick. That's right. Uh, That's right, baby. And, uh, and <laughs> bulking out. Bowflex. <laughs> um, uh, Nick has mentioned to me that there's some Ironman experience um, oh, yeah. in there. And then now you've got uh, this, by all counts, highly successful YouTube channel that continues to grow. Um, and I imagine that uh, that question of, the, is this what I'm supposed to be doing, has been kind of a recurring theme that Absolutely. you've returned to many times. In particular, with the YouTube channel, since that's kind of the, the primary thing, I mean, it's got you traveling across the country right now. Um, what did that question of, you know... What are we supposed to be doing? Uh, how did you answer that with we should be doing a YouTube channel? And uh, what did it look like getting this thing off the ground? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I ask that daily, honestly, um, uh, especially I think in the volatility of um, the YouTube world there's a lot of opportunities to take a break and ask those questions. So uh, there's never a season where it's just so smooth and so good to where it's like, <laughs> you know, I'll ask that next week. It's like, no, I'm gonna ask it every single day. Um, I, for for the YouTube channel for Brecky Breck, it definitely started out as a part-time thing. It was, um, we were in, we were in um, uh, the Portland area, we were in Vancouver, and um, I was running um, a co-working space with a partner in the area. And, um, and my wife was like, Hey, I need to do something like I, I, I want to do more than just, um, you know, we, we had, we had four toddlers in the house. Like we all, almost all four of them were in diapers at the same time. So, uh, my wife kind of got to a point where she's like, I want to do something outside of just, um, you know, stay at home mom. She wanted to be a stay at home mom, but she wanted to have some sort of outlet, um, and we had been, you know, watching YouTube. I've been familiar with YouTube. We have some friends that are full-time YouTubers at this point as well. Um, so we're familiar with maybe the, what it takes to get into that. And then obviously, like I said, kind of my history of being familiar with maybe the tools that are necessary to get started. It was, it was really easy for me to say, Hey, like, why don't, why don't you try, try this out? So, um, it was more of me kind of saying, or, 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 you know, like giving her permission and uh, our family permission to like explore something outside of like this hustle and this job. Cause you know, I, I it definitely was, um, something that, you know, was uh, alluring or entertaining. I think YouTube 
at that point, it was 2017, I think, when we were talking about this. Um, YouTube wasn't glamorized as it is today, so not everyone said they wanted to be a YouTuber. When you said, I do stuff on YouTube, it was more of a cringy thing than it is now. Now there's kind of this like, ooh, that could be a real thing or whatever. But um, back then it was like, ooh, you do YouTube stuff. Um, <laughs> so um, who knows what that you know that means, even today. But um <laughs> So it definitely, it, it was a low risk um, side thing. Um, my wife has always been really outgoing. Um, that's something that she's really comfortable and, you know, on stage. Um, she grew up leading worship for churches. She, um, she kind of has her own entrepreneur journey as well, which is really unique and, and kind of aligns really well with kind of our story. Um, she grew up, her dad ran a landscaping business and as a kid, she was homeschooled, but part of her week, she would actually go door to door canvassing with her family. Mm. And so as a young kid, you know, she's in middle school, she's talking to people, she's selling her dad's business. She's seeing the whole, the whole from, you know, from sale to execution. So, um, and she's building those skills as well. So a lot of those skills transfer, she's able to just jump on the phone and just, you know, call people or dress people or, or, um, you know, confront people if necessary. Um, so, so when we were talking about this YouTube, um, kind of vision and what this looks like, we were realizing like, hey, oh, your skills, uh, uh, your upbringing, your skill set really translates well to kind of the scene. And then my skills from video production and design and marketing, I'd been dabbling in marketing at that point as well. It's like there's it, it, this kind of is the, uh, a beautiful combination of our skill set. And we'd been looking for an excuse to maybe do something together. Um, I had been running into walls with... Um, and maybe uh, the the compatibility with business partners and trying to figure out what type of, of person um, I work well with. Um, I'd been in the commercial real estate scene a little bit and um, I didn't fit very well in that scene. So um, I, I butt heads with that scene because when you are someone that says, hey, we should stop and ask why in the commercial real estate scene, that's not a very, um, uh, it's not a welcoming uh uh, perspective to take a lot of the time. So, uh, and, and you lose that on deals and, and, you know, it's, it's not productive. So, uh, so anyway, this, you know, the allure for me was I, I want to explore working, you know, like having a business with my wife, like we, we work well together on the projects we do together. We actually had been, um, kind of co-directors over the children's, um, uh, program at our church that we'd been going to as well. So we were running the kids program already. So again, it was just another thing, like we're doing a kids YouTube channel. We're already running all these programs for kids. We have kids of our own. Like it, it was something that felt very natural. Um, and so, um, initially it was yes, green, green light. There wasn't, um, you know, when something's fresh and new, um, and different, I don't necessarily come out of the gate with the questions or the pauses and, you know, wanting to know why are we doing this? What, what is it for? Um, I'm very optimistic and look for a reason to try it out. Um, and that's something that I, I've learned about myself. I'm, I'm a, you know, a devil's advocate. Um, I've struggled to find another term to use for that because sometimes that ends up being a little bit of pain in the butt, but um, that's, that's what I end up being. And so when, when there's something that's new, there's not a lot of opposition. So I end up being full support. Um, once things are going well, then a lot of times I'll switch sides and start saying, why is it going well? You know? And so that ends up being kind of the position I take. And I think that's a more, maybe my personality and less uh, like a tool that I would encourage all entrepreneurs to have. It's definitely helpful. Um, if anything, find someone who's a, a devil's advocate and put them in your camp, e even if it's a pain in the butt. Um, I think that that's, you know, that definitely something that 
Um, maybe it's easy for me to say since that's me, it would be, you know, maybe harder to say if I had someone else in my life that was doing that to me as much as I do with other people. Um, but yeah, we'll, I call, think, we'll call you the great contrarian. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I honestly, I've spent maybe too much time trying to come up with a, like a term or a title that, that I, um, you know, that, that I can like stand with, but you know, devil's advocate, you know, shake, shakes it up a bit. So I'll, I'll stick with that for now. So, um, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, um, uh, it's, it was maybe less, um, initially less, uh, looking for reasons to question the why and more looking for reasons to get excited about it. It was something new and fresh and different. You know, this was, I've dabbled in a few entrepreneur journeys up to this point. Um, but this was something that was like, Hey, this, this has potential to have, we, we would have complete, you know, control over what that is and how we can move forward with that. And I think for me, that meant if I want to question it down the road, I can, and I'm not gonna have a business partner that threatens me <laughs> or maybe I do, but Hey, we're married. So we got to work it out where it's, you know, <laughs> uh, traditionally I've had a few experiences that got pretty, um, uh, uncomfortable in a non-desirable way because of, um, you know, some of the questions that I've proposed. And so that's something that I got a little bit burnt out by that point and was looking for something that, um, you know, I could feel a little bit more of a purpose and vision to, um, as it grows. So that's a great, great answer. Um, and so it was 2017 that you started putting out videos with Brecky Breck and, yep. uh, how has the, the vision for the the program uh, changed in that time. Was it? Did you start by doing weekly videos, and how have you seen it grow? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a unique um, journey. Initially, it was just a side project. We're dabbling. I think you know, as any side project starts, it's like, no, oh, this could be a thing. We don't know what, but it could be something, right? Um, so we started doing it ended up being something that we really enjoyed we'd get a babysitter and we'd go like to the zoo or we go like learn you know meet some cool people or learn about something we want to do so um there it ended up being regardless of the output of the channel it was something that we enjoyed doing together hmm. um and it like we joked around it being like a little date night we'd go out to dinner afterwards and it's like we just got a whole day in and we worked but there was a productivity i think that filled my wife's cup like i'm working on something i'm building something and then for me i'm I, personally i'm i'm creating something right I'm, I'm exercising my creativity and then we get to spend that time together so there definitely was a piece of that that initially it was it was like this outlet for us um, we didn't have this expectation of it delivering. It was a side project. Um, I definitely was aware, um, and have been aware of the potential of YouTube. Like I said, we've had, we have other, um, YouTube friends that, um, that were full time already at that point from YouTube, um, and doing quite well. Um, and so that's something for me, it's like, I, I knew the potential for it, but it wasn't something like, we're going to make this thing, you know, uh, grow and pay all our bills and retire and build a team or whatever. <laughs> um, and so initially it was just kind of an outlet piece. And then it just, it, like things just started to click um, in terms of like, um, you know, everything just was simple. Like it was, it was, we were, we were able to exercise all our skills together. My wife and I like back to back, mm. we're just th this thing that we, we kind of like, we're like, Oh, what we should do. We're realizing these are all like from, from calling a new business, 
with a random inquiry to say, hey, we're, it's kind of random. Uh, w- can we come film this thing and try to pitch that? It's like that was so natural to us. So, and, mm. and we've met a lot of YouTubers over the years that struggle with a lot of those components, but they really like their one thing. For us, there's not really one thing that we enjoy. We enjoy the whole process. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it definitely, now that we're doing it more, um, I'm definitely ready to start handing off some of that process. But, sure. uh, but, but initially, it was definitely just more of the enjoyment. Um, and then the, um, it ended up kind of growing. We got a little bit more familiar with the industry. We started seeing stuff in the children's YouTube scene specifically that started to be a little bit more concerning. So there, we, we started to develop maybe a purpose that um was a little bit bigger than just the side project and going hey like there needs to be some uh how we put this like responsible creator representation in the children's youtube scene um this is something that's not going away youtube kids specifically like content for kids um and so if there's not people that are intentional about what type of um content they're putting out or at least have um ties to some sort of integrity structure <laughs> that, yeah. that, um, that kind of shows some longevity to what we're producing. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of us maybe feeling a little bit bigger purpose to this content was um, maybe seeing some red flags in some of the other um, uh, representations of the industry and going, uh, we, you know, maybe we do belong here and need to be here for, um, you know, something bigger than just our uploads on the weekends. Um, and that's definitely a big piece of that, that we don't get to talk about that much. Um, but that's a big driving force, even to today's tour and what we're doing. There's a big, uh, kind of back end piece from, from, uh, like questionable characters to, uh, threats of lawsuits to all sorts of things. There's, there's a, there's a whole list of things that have happened since then. Um, that if anything, have just kind of made it easier and easier, easier for us to know, like, yep, we're going to, we're going to do this one way or the other. We're going to, we're going to make it work. And if we don't right now, we don't see a lot of other people that are representing maybe this voice. Um, and you know, that's, that's that definitely a bigger kind of maybe more integrity pool for us. So, I love that. And I think that uh, as you continue to ask the question, why are we doing this or should we be doing this? I mean, you found your why, right? And that, as we've heard so many times as entrepreneurs, that is essential to have that piece figured out. Uh, And I think that speaks to you and I have had some conversations, you know, there's, there's the difference between the mission driven and the, the passion and the creativity versus, Hey, this looks cool and I want to try to make a bunch of money and I want to try to make it big for my own name. I mean, that's not been you guys. And I think that's why you align so well with Abundant Journey and how do we make a difference? How do we use our talents, our stories, our history, our gifts to then make a difference in in the people around us? And you guys are doing that, which I love. And so, you know, keep, keep pressing on with that. Uh, Let's shift a little bit here. A couple questions just more geared toward entrepreneurs, you've been around a lot of them, you've seen success in so many different ways. What are maybe some underrated skills that every entrepreneur needs to to get after it? And I think we've hit on a few of them today, but maybe just some that come to mind. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, one for me would be, um, uh, one big one for me would be the ability to... um, 
uh, take in perspectives. I think a lot of times we have a hard time, you know, we, we get inspired by something specific. Mm-hmm. And then what we're taught in the entrepreneur world is surround yourself with that, you know, like, like pack yourself in, don't allow yourself an out. Um, yeah. So in terms of productivity and success, um, in the way that maybe the entrepreneurial world has defined it, that is that is a way to get to that. The problem with that is there's not a lot of diversity there. There's not a lot of, of variety in what you're experiencing. And so for me, um, you know, I had even up until Bowflex, I think I had 20 full time jobs between wow. uh, between the Kohl's department job um, to maybe a couple after Bowflex. So it was 20 to 25 full time jobs before I said. This is enough. But in all of that time, I got to um, like all these different perspectives and people and managers. Mm-hmm. I get to watch people. And that's something um, that I was very intentional about kind of those intakes. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was always analyzing um, my managers. I was always analyzing my leaders. I wrote a paper when I was 19 years old. And it's so it's so funny because I look back and I'm like, I was I wrote this? Like I thought I was just like I thought I was just kind of like gumming through life, not doing anything. <laughs> but I'm like finding all this stuff. I was like, oh, I was so intentional. I love this about myself. Um, I wrote a paper about um, uh, an experience I had with a supervisor who wasn't even my direct boss, but someone even further up in the city of Tulsa with that stormwater de- department um, about how um, my confidence in our interactions made them feel uncomfortable enough to where they, they um, sought after my approval. And there's mm. someone that's been there for so long. I was a temp at that time. And it was something that was so, you know, especially coming from, um, you know, the summer camp and the ministry, a lot of times you get a lot of good interactions. I think in, um, you know, when you meet people that are in the, uh, the, the, I don't want to say industry, but in the uh, lifestyle of being on stage and talking to people, there's a lot of practice, I think, in that in that environment. And so when you get outside of that, it was it was a little bit of a um, uh, rude awakening to realize there's people that ha- that are in positions of power that have a really hard time with um, confidence or um, uh, kind of composing themselves. And so this paper I wrote is the power of confidence, and it's you know it's cringy in its own right. It's a 19 year old kind of figuring himself out, but <laughs> but the the concept of it is something that stuck with me, and it's it's um, you know this idea that like your confidence in a situation is going to dictate the output of that situation. And that can be for what, you know, being intentional, I think is what really what that translates to is like, it's less about being confident and trying to win the situation or the, mm. the interaction and more about you can be confident in what you get out of that situation. So I want to be intentional about it. And so that's something that's carried with me in everything I do. I play a lot of pickleball now um, and I go and play pickleball and I come back not I did good. I did bad. I come back with, I met this person and this, you know, this interaction was interesting or it made me feel good or I made them feel good. And I was, I was, I was practicing, um, you know, my encouraging them and their play got better. So there's definitely this intentionality with like, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be all, um, in on this experience, but now, but when I'm away from it, I'm going to analyze it. Um, so Hmm. I think, gain or being intentional about gaining new perspectives i think um is what that tool boils down to i don't know like not a tool but yeah i think that's huge and i think that absolutely is an underrated skill because we have everybody has something they can teach us but i love that step further that you say is not only 
um, not only experiencing and learning, but analyzing later. And, and what could I have done differently? What could I take from this person? You know, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And so I think just the continued, um, embracing of learning. And I think that's, you know, you hit it from a people perspective. And a lot of times we've had conversations even on the podcast of just learning in general, but I don't think the emphasis on learning from people is, something that gets talked about enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. And, and especially too, I'll add, um, that, uh, not just when it's convenient, right. I think a lot of times we want to learn when it's convenient, um, or when it's clean and like sexy and, and cool. Right. But I think learning, being able to like still learn, not mm. just from the failure. I think people, you know, that's, that's definitely something that the entrepreneur world takes care of pretty well. It's learned from failure. I think like being able to like draw out something from, from, from a, a situation that maybe typically you wouldn't have walked away with something. And I remember like actually back in the Bowflex days, the early Bowflex days, um, I had a coworker on, in my department that was in um, a pretty aggressive network marketing uh, like business mm. and they were like making it full time while also answering like customer service calls on, on the phone call. And I always thought it was funny cause you know, he had always talked about like, I'm retiring next year and you know, doing this stuff. <laughs> um, and it, you know, for me it was, it, uh, I, I was always intrigued by what motivated him. It was never like, stay away from me. I don't want this like, you know, business model or whatever. It was more of like that you were very motivated. Uh, and I'm curious about that. And there was a curiosity. Mm. So like, I wasn't, signing up for stuff but it was i i want to learn what's driving this motivation you have so i went to i went to all the meetings i was like going to the meetings knowing i'm not going to sign up for anything but i'm like i'm just watching people and i'm watching the desperation and Mm. and and voices i'm watching the leaders and like the skills they have and and i'm watching this model of like freedom and um uh uh maybe autonomy from from normalcy and so even mm-hmm. in that situation that maybe typically for me personally, I initially would say this is a bad taste in my mouth. I don't even want to have anything to do with this. Um, I, I, I wanted to like challenge myself and say, can I go there and still find a nugget? Can I find some sort of angle sure. that is still valuable mm-hmm. here to where I'm not going through life in a season that sucks or uh, in a, in a situation that is a bummer or a conversation even that I feel like is a waste of my time. Is there a way to not have it be a waste of my time? Is there a way that I can actually still like somehow look from some sort of angle here and say, you know, I appreciate that. Even if it was a simple, I appreciate that I was able to provide something in that situation. So, um, I think, I think that just ties into like, you know, don't be afraid. So, so I went to a ton of these meetings and it was honestly, it it was a bunch of different people. And I almost like was addicted to just the meetings piece. It was like, man, there's (laughs) there's something so fascinating. I'd watched, you know, and you know, I gotta be careful. This one was a pretty aggressive version of it. Um, and I have friends involved in other, other versions of network marketing and stuff. And I think honestly, the, the whole word of mouth marketing is, 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 um, I'm fascinated by it. Um, at this point in my life, it was something that like, I maybe initially would have been kind of like turned off by what I was being presented with, but I was so fascinated with that. Um, like what it was doing to the, to people that I wanted, I like, I'm, I'm curious and I want to learn about like this, this, um, you know, this 
experience. So, you know, they'd pack the room and it would be like, I'd, I'd, I'd be thinking like, man, they could book a big, bigger room, but I'm realizing they didn't book a bigger room on purpose. And so I'm like mm. looking at like, oh, okay. So I, and I'm looking at the desire people have to be free from their jobs. Like that's the hook. And I'm like, oh, that's a real desire. So, you know, how can I start to maybe feed into that? Even to my buddy that I was going to these meetings with is like, hey, I want to help I want to help you. Like, let's problem solve this. Like, it doesn't have to be just this one thing. Like, what if, what if there were other ways that you can get out of that too? So, um, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's, that's a way maybe that I've exercised that skill, if I, you will, over time. I love that. I love the, the looking at it differently and you've always done that in whatever you've approached and whatever you've done, you've always had that mentality. How do I look at this different than everybody else? I'm curious, and I uh, I'm smirking a little bit because I'm I'm wondering where you're going to go with this question. But <laughs> between the YouTube world, the f- financial freedom world, you know, there are so many pieces of advice from experts that get thrown out at us, and you guys have have lived so much life that I think people either dream of or are too afraid to go for what is some expert advice that you guys have heard before that in your experiences you're like yeah this is just rubbish that advice is garbage and uh, i'm putting you on the spot but i'm curious where you'd go with that yeah no that's good um so i have i have uh let's see you can cut this out i have a maybe pg-13 version that is kind of funny um and then and then i have some other ones too um so so feel free to do what you want with it um (laughs) So I had a, I had a business partner um, in the real estate scene. I'll leave it general. Um, that that uh, was a little bit older than me and kind of was was t- taking me under his wing. Um, and one of his uh, words of wisdom was, um, "Sometimes in business you have to show up with knee pads and mouthwash." And I think that is rubbish. <laughs> so that is a piece of advice that I would say <laughs> throw out the window. Like, no, thank you. And now, even like the longer I go from that, I'm realizing that not not literally, but that was even being implied to me to him mm-hmm. as a partner. Um, and so that's, mm-hmm. that's something that like that partnership didn't end well. Um, honestly, I haven't talked to him since, uh, one of our last confrontations. Um, and, uh, that's, that was ended up being kind of the end to the partnership was that concept of we're, we're going in different ways. So, um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's something where it's like, you just got to do the dirty work. I think it's really what that boils down to. And it's like, I don't think you have to do the dirty work if, if, you can challenge the dirty work and um, maybe that isn't helpful for the bottom line, right? Maybe that isn't helpful if you have all these investors strung up on your, um, on your investment um, and you will, you know, feel this weight if you do not do the right thing, then maybe you do have to do the dirty work at that point. So if anything, what that taught me is um, being careful with what I attach to the project I'm working on to, to make sure that I'm still able to, ask myself those questions. I think that we talked about earlier, right? If, if there's so much weight tied to it, sometimes we have to kind of like close our eyes and do the dirty work without, without too much thought or else like we're letting so many people down. Right. Um, Mm. and so that's a big thing. I think for me, we stay, we stay really lean. We've had some investment opportunity, even with our YouTube stuff or some other bigger project potential, um, acquisition stuff, um, that through that process have kind of, applied the same perspective and, and decided to forego that even though 
99% of it looked just good and like a good step forward, I think the weight of it um, would have made it more difficult for us to not um, entertain the dirty work, if you will. So, yeah. um, so hopefully that was, <laughs> hopefully no, I spun great. that in a way that was, yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's great. I think that's true. And again, you know, there's so much advice out there from different people, um, you know, that man, there's so much advice going around out there, but you guys again have lived it and your experiences have brought different thoughts. So my last question here, before we kind of jump into the last segment of the show, I am, uh, I'm curious again, take this the way that you want, but a lot of times we define success differently and people have that different level of what success looks like. I feel like we could spend an, another hour just talking about that in and oh, of yeah. itself. And, and maybe we need to two part this, but yeah. you know, um, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think the secret sauce is to success and entrepreneurs knowing full well that there isn't one thing, but you know, wh- how would you answer that? Yeah, that is a hard question. Um, I think it's different for everybody. Everybody has to find what that means to them. Um, so I guess I'll answer for me. Um, m- mine, my secret sauce comes from the joy that I get out of the interactions I have with people. Um, that goes for my kids um, and my wife. Number one, um, you know, if we, well, we travel. If we have zero dollars in the bank and we don't know where our next night is. Um, business is moving, but there's points where that still happens. Um, we're if we can like protect ourselves from the stress and still be able to enjoy that moment and what we get to experience, um, that is to me um, way more valuable than anything else in in business and entrepreneurship. And I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is being able to be in that position to like have things stripped away and be able to appreciate that. So for me, it's the joy, not just self. Um, but what you can experience with other people. And that goes outside of family as well. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I've been playing a lot of pickleball and like being able to see the break from, um, uh, I think, self-consciousness um, even in their pickleball game. But you can see that that's something that someone else has translated to or, or transferred to the rest of their life, right? This isn't just isolated to pickleball. Being able to like be a little bit of light and have some fun and if they miss a shot say hey it's okay let's 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 do something crazy this next time and that like that brief moment of joy that you get to share with someone i think that's something that for me is my secret sauce to success my secret sauce to business my secret sauce to all of my interactions and that's something that you know i pursue with my kids daily i pursue with my wife daily and i pursue you know all my interactions are kind of tied to that um, moment of like for this moment, I'm giving you a hundred percent. Like all calls get ignored, even though this isn't a valuable business decision or something. It's like if you have my time, you have my time. Um, it may be hard to get my time <laughs> up until that point, but that's like that's because I'm doing that to like everything that's in front of me. So um, I think that's if you can get to a place where the things that are in front of you mean a hundred percent to you then um, then that can be more valuable than a big payout. That can be more valuable than um, you know any amount of residual income. Um, that can be a, more valuable than anything because it doesn't matter what your life situation is. Um, you're able to find joy out of that. And that's something that, you know, I'll leave or I'll, I'll kind of end it with this. 
um, through kind of our life experiences. There's so much more in there that, um, you know, obviously is hard to pack into um, a con one conversation, but um, we've learned to take what would typically be these crushing, stressful moments that definitely were in those moments, in those moments, uh, but come out of that intentional and come out of that with something from that um, because we were intentional with that. Uh, and so our family motto that we've kind of developed over the years is turn stress into adventure. Um, hmm. And it can be challenging at times because we, we may be a little bit addicted to stress at this point. And so we gotta, we gotta draw ourselves back sometimes, but um, there's definitely a piece um, of that, that I think if, if people can start to look at, what typically would be something that's very stressful or heavy and look at that as an opportunity to grow. And if we can see that, um, see it from that perspective, then um, I think, you know, we'll be able to kind of come out um, you know, stronger and just like working out, you know, sometimes you get a little sore or sometimes you get injured, but you know, if you keep at it, you can kind of push through, through. So. That's such a fantastic perspective. I mean, uh, I love that line of turning stress into adventure. It makes me think of, uh, uh, well, Indiana Jones is one of the first that comes to mind, like the, kind of the quintessential uh, adventure <laughs> film, yep. which I get stressed out watching. You know, he, he, <laughs> yeah, he's the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the poster child for turning stress into adventure. But you also think of uh, other real life examples and you think of... Um, pretty much anybody who's uh, accomplished anything great or pioneered something new, there's, there's stress in that journey, yeah. but having yeah. that positive framing of uh, looking to, okay, this is part of the process and the outcome here is, is going to be good, I think is um, really helpful. And to get uh, your whole family on board with that, that's, a, yeah. that's an exciting thing to be able to do. Well, and I will say too, if I can interrupt quickly, um, uh, one, one thing I wanted to bring up um, on that note is I think so often in our entrepreneurial journey, and this is something I learned even through those like network marketing days, I thought it's so fascinating by how much we protect our uh, shortcomings and our stress, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when we're an entrepreneur, you have to pretend that you're making it. You have to pretend that everything's perfect and everything's good. And it's kind of, we're all kind of doing the same thing. And so when I was running the co-working space, we had a lot of entrepreneurs in there. We had a lot of fun like networking events. And we got to a point where we kind of realized walking around the room, um, like there was a point where none of us had enough money to go out and get drinks. But we're all running these big businesses that we could do interviews and do all this stuff. But there was like, just there happened to be one point where we we're like, I can't really go do that. And we kind of like did this, like, Oh, we're all struggling, but like mm. successful and free, but struggling. And so we joked about talking, we joked about like, we need to start a podcast. That's like, you know, that the documents the now before you make it. And it's like, we're all people that like, even now, like I can look back to all those people and it's like, all right, they, they have money they can go get drinks now. But it was like that, that particular time we were in that, like that infancy phase of, entrepreneurship where we just protect it and pretend, you know, there's, there's, it, it ends up being this, like, I got to present myself. And I think there's a reality to the confidence that comes with that, but not being able to talk about that has always been something that, that I struggle with. Um, and that's something that like, there's, there's so many stories that like, I've never shared that I'm like, I wish I could share this right now, but like, I would maybe even lose respect from clients because of sharing this thing. And I know mm. everybody like has their version of that. Um, uh, we had a car repossess one time and like the next day I wanted to share it. I wanted, and, and it wasn't even, it was just dumb. It was like dumb decisions. We had money. It was actually during the most like 
profitable time of our, our, our ventures, but we were just so spread out all over the place. And it was just like, and we got the car back, but it was like, it, it was, it was just like, I want to share this. Like it, this happens. Right. Um, and yeah. not being able to share that. I think a lot of times, you know, especially again in that infancy phase, um, a lot of times it's hard to like, like someone has to go first a lot of times. And then the other yeah. side of it is that we have to respect that journey. And if not everybody respects that journey, we feel like we have to protect ourselves. So there's mm -hmm. a vulnerability that I think I've learned. And especially since we do our own thing now, it's not, we're not tied to investors. So I don't have to pretend, you know, I don't have to have like kind of spin this beautiful light anymore. It's like, um, you know, last week we, uh, we're waiting for sponsorship money to come in and our, our YouTube check to come in at the same time. So we literally had like three days where we had $0 last week. Uh, and so we were like, Walmart parking lotting it, but it's not something enough to where I'm like, help us. We don't know what we're going to do. It's like, no, we just have no money right now, but I have a $5,000 check hitting the account on Tuesday. We have $2,500 sponsorships coming. Like, you know, it's definitely something where it's not, everything's peachy right now, but, um, we're able to take that moment and know, Hey, we're going to be okay. Um, we can be vulnerable with our relationship with that. And so, um, I, I just think it's fascinating and that's something I, maybe I want to encourage to the audience, yeah. uh, if anything, is in that infancy phase when you're going through that, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to come full cards every time, but, um, you know, challenging yourself to be vulnerable, especially from peer to peer. Um, it's different totally. if you're pitching to a client and all that stuff, I get, you know, wanting to present well, uh, but peer to peer, like open up, be vulnerable and be able to talk about that stuff. I think that lowers the barrier for other people to feel, um, okay about taking that jump and i think that goes back to what you were saying earlier nick james about um uh like we do a lot of things that people aspire to do what they're not willing to do is let their car go in the repossession what they're not willing to do is go into a walmart parking lot for a few days and um without us being vulnerable about that people don't know that it's yeah. actually a lot more achievable you just have to have a different um uh, set of values or be okay with some things. And so a lot of times people look at us and say, I wish I could do that someday. And they're like, you have way more money than I do, right? I have $0 in savings. You have way more money. If I had the same amount of money that you have right now, you know, there's so many more things that I could be doing. So it's not about money. It's not about comfort. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm continuing to, to, con uh, convey to other people as well. So. Yeah. Well, first, I uh, really look forward to either one day reading the book or watching the documentary where you're able to, you know, share all of these stories that you've been saving up or maybe that's a yeah, podcast, yeah. For, whatever form that comes out in. Uh, I'm all about it. I can't wait to, to hear yeah, more, thank you. more of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what you just said uh, there, uh, actually, we, we had another interview um, just the other day, and uh, the guy said that, and I think it's fairly common advice, but um, he was talking about advice his dad gave him that was just, uh, you know, to do what others can't, you have to be willing to sacrifice what others won't. And uh, it is easy to look at um, the accomplishments of other entrepreneurs, people that have been successful, and all you see is... Uh, the number of, of views or subscribers, you don't see all of the sacrifices the the night in the Walmart parking yep. lot or even going further back, like you putting up the yep. cardboard around your girlfriend's car in yep. the subway parking lot. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. you got to have both. Uh, and it's it's really awesome to me how you all have embraced that yeah. and uh, yeah, the you. ways that you're seeing growth and um, yeah, 
uh, like Nick had said, I think that uh, there's a, a million uh, direction. I got a million more questions for you. Uh, how you turn a, a creative endeavor like uh, making videos, um, something that you love to do and, and not burn out on it. You know, I got a bunch of questions around that. But what I think it means is that uh, I don't have an answer for that, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Uh, that, that dovetails well with what I was going to say, because I think that we'll have to do a part two at some point and have you back on. So yeah. you can, Right you can on. think about uh, maybe yeah, coming exactly. up with an answer. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll have some time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and I got to tell my, uh, my, my Iron Man story because it relates to Nick when we were playing flag football. There's a whole piece yeah. to that um, oh, yeah. that is like such an interesting um, – that was – it's crazy trying to even like have these conversations because I realized that how many defining moments are in my life because even preparing for this, this um, call with you guys, I was you know just going through – like, oh, I want, yeah, it'd be, this would be a good, nice little nugget or yeah, here's the thing. And then even in conversation, like, oh, there's so many things like, and <laughs> it's so cool to just even personally reflect on that. So less yeah. about even needing to share that and more about like, I enjoy reflecting on that, that Absolutely. time. And, um, yeah, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, well, we, we will definitely two part this. And what I want to do is get you out of here with our, our gold nugget round. And that just means we won't have to do that next time. So let's, let's dive into these. These are the same four questions that we ask all of our guests and we've gotten just a, a great range of answers in the past. And honestly, I think we've hit most of these already today, but, but I'm going to fire them at you. So one of the things we talk about at Abundant Journey is the five F's. I just want you to pick one of these, even though you could pick all of them, and tell me uh, ways you're, you're looking here into 2024, excited to grow in that area. So family, finance, faith, fitness, or future. Pick one and tell us uh, what you're excited about this year. Yeah, um, that's good. I, honestly, I'll have to go with faith on this one. Nick, faith for for three hundred. Um, no, I uh, I think faith is something that um, you know I, I I grew up. My dad is a um, uh, I grew up in the church. My dad's pastor, and then ran summer Christian summer camps. Um, and that's something that like initially I think internally I had that natural like pastor's kid rebellion, um, mm. but I never like fully rebelled. So it was kind of this weird just like. It's there. I appreciate it, but it's not something that I'm fully leaning into, but I'm intentional about everything that I do. So it's like, it's interwoven into that. Um, I think I'm realizing, you know, I've, I've wrestled with all these other elements in my life. And I think faith is definitely something that I'm challenging myself this year. Um, just in being intentional with faith. I think that's something that I've avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just because of, not knowing what that means to me. And especially if you're, if you're raised in a faith household, sometimes you have to, um, you know, figure out and establish what, what, um, what faith means to you separate than what you were handed. Um, and so that's something yeah. that I have always known that I just haven't really come back to that and say, said, I'm going to be intentional about that. And, and I've already kind of, you know, that's been something that's maybe been tugging at my heart and I just want to, um, uh, kind of be intentional about that because I think, I believe that that ties into everything else. Um, and that's yeah. kind of been a piece that um, maybe I've been uh, a little bit uh, nervous or scared to, to get more intentional about. So that's a, that's a great answer and appreciate the vulnerability and honesty with that, because I think 
again, if you look around, it's it's kind of like your story with uh, not having money for drinks and everybody was in the same boat. I think we all at some point are in that situation, uh, whether we admit it or not. So yep. that's a great answer. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. N- next one here. What's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you along your journey? Yeah. Um, this is great. I have too many to answer. Um, so okay, can I do a two parter here? Is that okay? Like, okay, I'll make good. it quick. Okay. So, um, one quote that has stuck with me and I repeat all the time. Um, and this is a little bit more of an inspirational to, uh, starting ventures. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know the root of who, or I don't know who said it originally. Um, there's someone that went to my high school that was a couple years older than me that ended up uh, being, um, pretty successful in Silicon Valley. Um, Ryan Hoover is his name. Uh, and he, in an interview one time said, um, if you pitch to a meeting, an idea, a meeting to a thousand people, I'm going to butcher this by the way. So, um, if you, uh, in front of a thousand people physically pitch an idea and only one person likes it, that's pretty demoralizing, right? Um, it's something that we, you know, that's, let's low odds and it's, it's frustrating. Take those same odds to the internet and you have a whole segment uh, audience. You have a whole fan base. Uh, and that's something that I've always, um, kind of seen and realized like, all right, I can feel kind of alone in my little circle, but, um, the reality is there's so many people out there. And I watch that in, you know, especially social media age, it's like, you have these little niche things. It's like, what the heck, you know, this guy's a, a Rubik's cube influencer and like it, you know, <laughs> zero out of 10 people in his immediate circle are into that, but he's got, you know, millions of followers online or something. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's mm-hmm. my one. Um, I say that all the time to people, maybe in inspiration to try to like, Hey, put it out there just cause no one around you is seeing it. It's like a lot of times we're like, nah, this isn't something that I should. It's like, go find it, find someone else that's interested in, and mm-hmm. try it out. Um, so that's, that's my nugget. The other nugget that I definitely wanted to leave, um, y'all with is, uh, anything by Shane snow. So if you haven't read any Shane snow books, he's got three main books. Um, they're all awesome. The storytelling edge is definitely one to start with. Smart cuts is another good one. Um, I always struggled with reading and that's something that maybe was a little bit different. Um, in me and my entrepreneur journey, we're told to like read books and appreciate reading books. Like I, to this day, like I, I have all the books and I've started all the books <laughs> and then I go look like watch an interview and I'm like, Oh, got it. Like for me, it's like, it always makes sense. So to read the book is more about med- the meditation element and I get that elsewhere. So, um, Shane Snow books are the first books that I read and was like, I am excited to keep reading. Um, and honestly, it's been rare that I found a book outside of his books that have done that. So um, I, I, I've had a video dialogue with him a number of years ago, and he's really, really awesome guy. I don't know what he's up to now, but um, I've always that's always been my recommendation. If you haven't heard of Shane Snow, read his books. Um, that's definitely love it. definitely a, a go to. So that's great. Yeah, I love it. Next, next one here. What's a dream or goal that you have that you've not been able to accomplish yet? Yeah, this is good. Um, it's, it's kind of a trick answer to this. Um, I've always done a dream board. This is something I learned in the network marketing days actually is get your dream board, <laughs> put your stuff up there. They would always put their Lamborghinis and all their other, other stuff up there. What I realized over time is all of that stuff disappeared. And what I did is I created a uh, you know, two months, six months, 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years. And then I have a happily ever after that was the key piece that no one ever had. What is happily ever after Mm. to you is my first Mm. prompt question when I do my, my dream board. And the second prompt question is what's keeping you from happily ever after right now. So this is something I visit very often. Um, nothing, 
nothing's keeping me from my happily ever after right now. So sorry, I'm, I'm trick answering your question. Um, no, it's great. Uh, uh, my, my happily ever after is that um, I'll trust God's hand in my kids' life so much that I'll allow them to be free and, and pursue what they want to pursue, and I'll figure out a way to be supportive of them. Um, so I guess I haven't accomplished that yet because they're still growing up, and <laughs> I have many, many challenges that I've yet to uh, experience with them, and I know it's going to be challenging. So, oh, I love that. That's so good. Last one here ties into the quote happily ever after, but at the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for? Oh man, this is hard. Um, cause I recognize everybody's different. Um, yeah. and this is going to sound like a self-righteous answer, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and, and like, I truly believe that I, like I, I always ask, or I always hear people say, I hope I'm remembered for this. I hope I'm remembered for this. And I, and, and I, I don't want to dog on people that do have that feeling. I just don't, ha- I don't have that. Like I, I, um, I guess what I want to know in myself is that I never took away from someone, right? I think of things in linear when it comes to um, personal progression, when it comes to faith. Um, you know, I'm not a uh, need to save everybody's salvation kind of guy. I'm like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm I'm uh, presenting forward progress, right? So maybe that's my, when I die, I want to make sure that I did the best I could to help um, not take away. I don't need to have a certain amount of influence as much as I want to make sure that the things I did do were either neutral or forward progress for people in their lives. So, and that goes for, you know, my family and the people close to me as well. So. I love it. That's a, that's an awesome answer and uh, know that you're uh, you got, you got others in your camp. We've had a few folks on the the podcast that have had a very similar sort of uh, answer of just uh, that, uh, not a, not a, a main concern, but the, the shared theme is, uh, yeah, just wanting to, um, you know, another way perhaps of saying it is, is leave, leave the world, leave the relationships that you're in better than you found them. Yep. Um, certainly yeah. not worse. And, yep. uh, you know, it, it's, again, it sounds to me a lot like that's what is very naturally happening, happening in the course that you're, life and lives as a family have taken. Uh, it's amazing yeah. to me. Just uh, the uh, the journey that y'all are on, I'm sure the, the kind of memories and uh, experiences that your kids are getting as you're on the road and as you're figuring it out and, uh, you know, all these different spaces and RV life. Um, it's very exciting. I, uh, I do love um, the space that you're filling with uh, quality kids programming um, on, in the YouTube space. I, I totally see the the need for that there. As a parent with three young children, uh, I'm grateful uh, that <laughs> for the voice that y'all have and, yeah. uh, and, and only hope and expect that that's going to continue to grow and excited for whatever other opportunities that opens up down the tracks as well. So yeah, thank you. We will definitely have to, uh, to circle back and, and catch up again. But um, in the meantime, for our listeners, where are the best places for them to connect with you, support what you're doing, follow along, watch? Where would you send them? Yeah, so um, that's a hard question to answer because I don't personally have a lot that I put out there. Um, uh, if you want to, to stay close to the flame in terms of the business side of what I do, I definitely try to touch in with LinkedIn every once in a while. So find me on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me there. Um, that's something that I, I appreciate that platform. And I think there's, 
there's potential there if you can get through all the sales stuff. Um, and then, uh, and then we're, we're on this journey for this tour. So, um, at least for this year, um, we'll be posting everything to our personal, um, young with kids is the name of our uh, channel. So Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, we're doing a vlog, um, for now, <laughs> that that's one of those things that's like, it's less about the, the admin that goes in the vlog and more about the, like, is this something we should be doing kind of thing. But um, for now we're doing a vlog and then we at least want to want to do updates there. So if you want to follow along, you can learn about our Brucky Breck stuff. You can learn about YouTube stuff, get a little bit behind the scenes um, and kind of what our family's up to. So young with kids, um, wherever you can find it. <laughs> yeah. And if people wanted to catch you on the tour are those in-person events that uh, as you're going through the, we've got a listener base from across the United States. Yep. And so is there somewhere that they can find the tour dates? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So breckybreck.com backslash tour, um, find out all of our dates there. Um, the further out they are, the more, um, of a placeholder they are, but once sure. we're coming into town, then we'll be able to have more information there. Um, the events are for families with kids, uh, seven ish and younger. Um, if you don't have kids, please don't show up. We've had a few people that, um, are a little bit questionable. <laughs> so not showing up to the events, but like are saying excited to come. And then we're like, Hey, this isn't for you. So that's, that's the not so glamorous side of, uh, being yeah. online. So I love that. Uh, I mean, I don't, but I do. <laughs> yeah, <thanks. laughs> yeah. Um, well, I will include uh, links to all of these uh, spots cool. that you've mentioned in the show notes. So uh, listeners do check those out, follow along. Uh, you can also follow Nick and I and the uh, Abundant Journey happenings at AbundantJourney.net. And the very best thing, the thing that we would appreciate more than anything else in the world, world is if you were to share this episode with uh, somebody um, that you think would find value in it. And so please do uh, hit the, the share button. Um, at the very least, if you could leave us a, a starred review or some thoughts, um, that really does help with others discovering the show and uh, hopefully inspiring more entrepreneurship for good um, as far and wide as we could possibly reach. But... Man, Kylan, this has been awesome. Thank you so very much for your time and uh, look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. And Nick, for having me, you guys are awesome. Really appreciate what yeah. you guys are doing and excited to see uh, what's what's in store for, uh, for the podcast and your guys' journey. Absolutely. All right, listeners, thanks for chiming in with us. We'll see you next time.